0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. Today we have a crazy story of revenge involving shredding a passport. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, I engineered my aunt's salon getting robbed and vandalized. I arranged, indirectly, for my boss's salon to be robbed and damaged. It was hard for her to recover because nearly 6 months before, she had taken off the insurance that covered her business. Yeah, I know that was mean, but believe me, my boss deserved all of that and some more. I've never seen anyone as devilish as my ex-boss. Everything about her screamed evil. At some point, I honestly believed that she was the devil herself. It was just humanly impossible for someone to be that evil. For context, my ex-boss is also my aunt. I struggled to even refer to her as my aunt because she never treated me like I was her niece. She even hated it when I called her auntie as my grandmother taught us to. My mother, who's now dead, thank god, was a drug addict. Her mother tried to help her and managed to pay for rehabilitation twice. But my mother had given up on herself. She didn't believe that she could ever overcome her addiction. So she sank lower and lower into the abyss, letting the drugs destroy her. Drugs took everything my mom ever had from us. And when my grandmama became too old to take care of us, my two siblings and me, she called child protection services and had them put us in foster care. I think the system was really unfair to us because no family wanted us and we were neglected in the foster home. The other kids got preferential treatment over us. It was unfair. One day, my older brother managed to escape with me and some other kids, leaving our baby sister behind. We returned to our grandma's and learned that she had just passed away. Too young and used to pain to understand what had happened, we started living on our own in Grandmama's house, surviving on the little groceries she had left. We were in the house as usual, wondering where our next meal will come from when we heard someone open the door. Too terrified to move, we just froze. I thought for sure that Child Protective Services had figured out that children were living by themselves in the house and had come to get us. Perhaps the neighbors called them. It was one of the neighbors who told us that Grandmama had just passed. I knew it was not that they noticed we were missing from the foster home and came to find us. The truth is that there were many children like us out there, and not enough resources anyway. Running away was like doing everyone a favor, and they would never look for you. Heck, they may not even notice you're gone. Many kids like my siblings and I had parents who were drug addicts, some had parents who were dead, and some had parents who were in prison. Many didn't even know their parents or ever had awareness of a parent. They were born into the system. My brother and I were in the kitchen when we heard them and froze. Well, it turned out that it wasn't Child Protective Services, just our aunt who would come in with an agent to take a look at the house and sell it for her. I didn't really know my aunt before the death of my grandmama. I knew I had an aunt with her name. I knew she lived somewhere around and that she didn't play with her money. I also knew that my mother hated her. My mother would always talk about how my aunt stole from her and I remember our grandmama would shut her up and tell her that our aunt worked for everything she owned. I also remember seeing my aunt a couple of times. She never stayed for dinner or anything. She would come in and then leave almost as soon as she came in. I also noticed her pretty hair. Her hair was always shiny and black. What are you two doing here? Oh heck no. I thought you were away in foster care. My aunt exclaimed on seeing my brother and me. Children are known to try to escape from foster care even when the environment they left was not so friendly, the agent started to say. My aunt looked back at the agent with irritation. A look that I would soon understand was characteristic of her. Can you please wait outside while I speak to my niece and nephew? My aunt asked the agent, plastering a fake smile on her face as she did. You two are going back to the foster home, she said as soon as the agent left and pulled out her phone. My brother and I fell to our knees and cried. Please, Auntie, we can't go back there. She ignored us and called the authorities anyway. They're coming to pick you up soon. But before then, I need you two to come home with me. My agent may have found a buyer for your grandmama's house, and I don't want them seeing stray kids around. She frowned and said, I know I wouldn't buy a house with no darn stray kids. She drove us to her house that afternoon, and that was where my woe started. My aunt lived in a nice apartment with her friend and roommate, who was nearly as evil as she was. Her roommate was nice enough to offer us some chicken while we waited for child protective services to come and get us. After we'd eaten, my brother fell asleep on the couch while my aunt and her friend talked and laughed about the men they were dating, completely oblivious to the fact that they had children with them. My aunt's roommate was loosening her braids, so I crawled behind her to help out. I used to help my mother take out her braids while she slept, so I was quite good at it. When my mother still cared about looking good, I'd take out her braids and take mine out so she could install a new one for me. My aunt noticed I was great and fast with losing the braids, so she changed her mind about letting child protective services come to get me. When she mentioned that to her friend, I was glad. I thought at the time that my brother and I could stay with her, but that evening while I slept, child protective services came and took my brother away, leaving just me with my aunt. Being separated from my big brother and little sister was a traumatic event for me. I felt dejected most of the time, but my aunt would always tell me to be grateful that she chose me and that because of her, I may not end up as freaked up as my mama. She enrolled me in school only because she had to, but in the evenings, I would go with her to her salon and help out. I had so many chores to do both at home and at the salon that I barely had time to focus on school. I was always lagging behind in class, and one of my teachers promised me that I'd never graduate. At 15, I already knew all there was to know about managing my aunt's salon, and I was doing everything for free. My aunt wasn't just giving me more than I could handle as a child, she was overburdening me and not even paying me. I never got new clothes, all of my clothes were used clothes she handed over to me, I never attended school functions, I had no friends too, just classmates, and I never dated in high school. I did not have the life that most people my age had. I hardly ever got a break from my aunt. She always had something for me to do. My aunt wasn't just mean to me, she was mean to her staff too. Every month she hires new people because the old ones leave after she tortures them. She underpays them and would yell at them right before the clients. The only people she was ever nice to were actual clients when they were paying. My aunt's love for money was extreme. She often spoke about how she could not imagine not making money since she grew up very poor. The problem was that she was comfortable with making money at the expense of other people, their health, what is fair, and their dignity. She didn't just exploit her staff, she would also use her business as a money laundering tool for drug dealers and she always got away with it. When I was close to my 16th birthday, my older brother came back for me. He had become an adult and was going to apply to be my legal guardian, but our aunt fought him. She threatened to deal with him and when she threatened to deal with anyone, it was never in a legal way. I knew my aunt better than my brother who had been away from us for a while. She would do anything to get whatever she wanted and hurt whomever she believed was getting in the way of her money. At that point, I was her money. I did so much work in the salon and I did all that for free. She could never let me go, especially since at the time she was struggling with several health issues and could hardly oversee her business as usual. She just trusted me to handle everything i warned my brother to let me go there was simply no way to fight her off she had more resources than he does my brother agreed and left the stay with his friend but i was hurt i cried secretly for days at the time my aunt was in and out of the hospital she was battling an illness trying to get pregnant by her boyfriend and she'd had two miscarriages already the doctor recommended that she get enough rest and she would rest but then she'd just get tired of just sitting around and come to the salon My aunt's worst fear was that her staff would steal from her, so she got very paranoid whenever she was in the house and not able to manage the salon. For some strange reasons though, my aunt never strongly suspected that I'd do anything to harm her business. I could tell that she trusted me and it was probably because for years I saw her as family and treated her as such, even though she treated me badly. I did not have a mother, so in my head she was my mother. I stopped being so emotionally attached to her after she threatened to harm my brother for trying to take me away from her. I knew it wasn't because she loved me that much, she just loved that she could use me without compensating me or suffering any consequences. That was when I started to feel intense hatred for her. I hated her for how she treated me badly and how she made me miss out on my childhood. The last straw that birthed my revenge happened one evening when it was just my aunt and me at the salon. We had closed for the day and I was very tired. I sat on one of the customer's armchairs just to get some rest when I fell asleep. My aunt tapped me to get up and ordered me to receive some bottles of hair oils she'd ordered. I took the carton from the delivery guy and was walking into the salon when I fell from being so dizzy. I tried to protect the bottles but the carton fell and some of the bottles broke. My aunt was so mad, she walked up to me and hit me on my cheeks twice. I didn't see that coming at all. As mean as my aunt was, she never hit me. Her roommate hit me once when I was 13 and my aunt wasn't so thrilled about it. She would do everything to me but hit me and then she'd tell me to be grateful because growing up, our grandmama would hit her and my mom, but she was nice enough not to hit me. All the emotions I had harbored against my aunt came rushing back that night. I went to bed that night determined to do two things, get revenge against my aunt and run to be with my brother. My aunt was one to be very careful about her business, but her greed was extreme. She tried to cheat everyone, from clients to her staff to insurance companies. Every now and then she would pull out of insurance just to make some money, and then whenever something happened to, say, a neighbor, or there was bad news, she would run to get insurance again. At the time when my aunt hit me, she had pulled out of her insurance for six months. I knew that was the best time to strike, because it'd be more difficult to get her salon up and running after I knew boys in my neighborhood who stole and robbed places and I knew they'd been watching my aunt's salon. I knew just the way to get them to rob my aunt's salon. I randomly mentioned to a guy who was trying to get with me that my aunt saved all her money in cash at the salon. After giving him that information, I left the salon open one night. I just turned off the light and left it open. I knew the boys were just lurking around and waiting to see if they could get in. Before that I'd said goodbye to the girls I spoke to at school and had arranged with my brother to come get me. That night, I went straight to the motel my brother stayed in and we drove away. One of the girls who used to work in my aunt's salon and I had become friends, so I let her in on my plan. She was glad to find out that I was finally getting revenge against my aunt. She was the one that broke the news of the robbery that happened at my aunt's salon that night to me. Apparently, the robbers came in looking for some cash and they turned the salon upside down. They stole the money they found lying around and in desks and drawers, but the money wasn't enough for them. So they vandalized the entire salon and destroyed many expensive pieces of types of equipment. My aunt went on TV to play the victim. She had my picture everywhere and told people that I had some boys vandalize her shop. The police caught those boys and they were arrested, but seeing my aunt on TV looking so distressed brought me joy. My friend back in town would call me to tell me that she saw my aunt in different houses, checking to see if I was there and threatening to harm whoever was hiding me in their houses. My aunt is dead now, but I still think of how badly she treated me and shudder. I mean, honestly, the real revenge here would have been at some point to call Child Protective Services, although considering OP's upbringing and how they got to that point, I can't really blame them for not. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. That's betterhelp.com H-E-L-P, slash storytimepod. Not wanting to go that route? That said, our next story is, husband uses me to get citizenship, so I shredded his passport. I've heard of people getting married on a contract basis. You know, the kind of marriage where a citizen marries an immigrant in order for him to get a conditional green card and eventually a permanent resident card. I heard that the immigrant usually pays the citizen some kind of weekly or monthly fee, while some people actually do it for free if they're close to the immigrant in question. One time it felt like that was all I was hearing about. A neighbor's daughter did it, a friend of a friend did it, a coursemate's twin brother's sister-in-law did it. Personally, I don't think I can sign up for something like that. I think it's fraudulent, and I like to think of myself as an upstanding citizen of the country. If you want citizenship status, why not go through the appropriate way? Anyways, I never gave too much thought about it. Of course, it shouldn't matter, right? If I don't want to do something like that, I can't be forced to do so. I didn't know that I could actually be manipulated into helping someone get their green card. I thought my ex-husband Joshua loved me. All the signs showed that he loved me, and I went with it, not knowing that it was all a lie. Of course, I found out and made sure that he didn't get away with it. Here's the story about how I met Joshua up to the time I reported him to ICE. I remember the night like it was 5 minutes ago. It was a stormy night and I was sure that it was going to rain. Because of this, I decided to close my pastry shop early. I already had a massive sale during the afternoon rush, so I was already tired. All I wanted to do was go home and binge some YouTube videos and fall asleep with my shoes on. I closed the shop around 8pm and took a cab home. Thankfully, my roommate Cindy, a final year college student, wasn't home. She liked to play loud music and no matter how much I complained, she wouldn't turn it down, not for long at least. If it was anyone else, I would have left her, center her packing, but she's not just anyone. She's my best friend's younger sister and I love her. Anyways, she wasn't home so I got to my room. One or two YouTube videos later I fall asleep on my bed, only to be woken up less than an hour later by a phone call. It was April, Cindy's older sister and my best friend. She said it was an emergency and I needed to meet her at a bar. I jumped out of bed and grabbed my clothes. I thought it was really an emergency. Maybe someone was injured or had an accident or was robbed. My mind raced through millions of possibilities as I hailed a cab and rushed over to the bar in the address she sent me. Imagine my disappointment when I get to the bar and saw that she was drinking with Cindy and some friends. I mean, I wasn't disappointed it's not like i wanted her to have an accident or something but i rushed out of my really comfortable bed because i thought she was in trouble i understood their game immediately i've been too busy with the pastry shop and because of that we've not been able to hang out very much so this was a ploy to force me into a girl's night out i tried to quietly back out but i was spotted by cindy they all rushed over to me before i could make an escape from the bar and next thing i know I'm seated by the bar and the bartender is pouring me a shot of tequila. After a moment of scolding them for messing up my sleep schedule and lying to me about the emergency, I joined the party. After a moment of talking about Cindy's string of one-night stands and our other friend, Susan's non-existent love life, April tapped me on the shoulder. She told me that someone on one of the booths had been checking me out. I turned around just in time to see this guy's eyes on me. He averted his eyes immediately, turning to face his drink. He was cute and kinda shy, which is exactly my type of guy. I wasn't in a flirting mood that night though. I wanted to get to bed early so I won't be cranky at work the next day. So I just decided to face my drink. April and Susan tried to get me to talk to him, but I didn't. A few minutes before I decided that I was leaving, the bartender served me another drink. One I didn't order or pay for. I told him about it, and he said that the drink was already paid for. When I asked by whom... He pointed to the guy behind me, the same guy April showed me. He smiled at me and waved. April and Cindy nudged me once again to go and talk to him. I was still having second thoughts, but the girls bought another round of drinks which means that we're not leaving anytime soon. Eventually I gave in. I walked over to the guy's empty booth and decided to talk to him. I thanked him for the drink and introduced myself. He told me his name. We're going to have to call him Joshua for the purpose of this story. He told me he was from South Africa and he came here to get his master's degree and for the meantime he was a chef in a restaurant downtown. The fact that he cooked was one of the things that made me stay and talk to him for a while longer. He was an interesting guy, he was really funny, he made me laugh without even trying and before I knew it we were talking like we knew each other a long time ago. When it got very late April had to come over to the booth to tell me that they were leaving. Even then I didn't want to leave but I didn't want to seem too crazy on the first day. I had to play it cool, so I rose from my seat and bid him goodbye. It was when I got to the outside of the bar that I remembered I didn't give him my number, nor did I collect his. It was very disappointing and I didn't know what to do. I had this notion that girls aren't supposed to be too desperate. If he wanted my number, he was going to ask for it. I couldn't go back in and just give him my number, but at the same time, I didn't want to leave. If I did, I feared that I might never see him again. April asked me what was going on, and I told her. She told me to just go back in and stop torturing myself. Susan, on the other hand, wanted me to be more conservative. She had the same thought as me, in that it's not cool to go back to give him my number. We argued the pros and cons for over 10 minutes, and just when I was about to agree with April and go back in there, Joshua hurried out of the bar, looking around frantically. His eyes landed on me and he heaved a sigh of relief. I waved and walked over to meet him. There, he told me that he totally forgot to get my number, and as soon as he remembered, he rushed out of the bar hoping that I would still be hanging around somewhere. We exchanged contacts, and he promised to call me as soon as he gets home. He called a few minutes after I got home, and we continued to talk till I fell asleep. The next day we moved to texting and everyone, even my customers at the shop noticed that my smile was brighter than the previous days and when they asked, I just told them that I'm having a good day. A few days later, Joshua decided that we should go on a proper date. I said sure and we planned it for the next night. I suggested his restaurant but he was quick to shut me down. He wanted somewhere he wasn't known. So we decided to go to some other restaurant in town. After that, we got frozen yogurt and walked around town talking. After that day, we became closer. He came over to my shop every time he's off work. And sometimes he'd assist me when there's an evening rush. We started dating officially like five weeks after we met in the bar. Joshua actually asked me to be his girlfriend on the first date. And even though I wanted to jump at the chance, I had to be sensible. All my past relationships ended because I rushed into it and I didn't know them very well. I didn't want the same thing to happen with Joshua. I wanted to do it the right way this time, and know as much as I can about him before I step in. Lol, what a joke. Anyways, it was when we were already in a relationship that I actually came to the realization that I've never been to his workplace. I asked him about it one evening when we were hanging out at my place. By this time I've never been to his apartment too, but he had a reason for that. He lived with a slobby roommate and his place is a mess. Stupid reason now that I think about it. Anyways, I asked him about his place, and at first he tried to brush it off, but I persisted. Eventually, he told me that his restaurant was always busy and his boss doesn't like visitors. I didn't believe him one bit, and it made me a little suspicious. There are lots of ways he could have shown me where he worked. I could come over when they were about to close, but I didn't discuss the issue anymore. I had the feeling that no matter what I said, he was going to find a way to shut me down. At this point, I had a lot of conspiracy theories running through my mind. Was he really a chef? What if he just lied because he knew that I was a pastry chef and he wanted to get closer to me? What if it was all a lie and April or Cindy set the whole thing up? It sounds crazy now, but I promise it made perfect sense to me when I was thinking about it. I decided that instead of confronting him, I was going to show up at his workplace. I asked him to sleep over at my place one night so he could go to work directly the next day. When he went to work, I followed him in a taxi and when we got there, I was shocked at the discovery. He worked at a restaurant, truly, but not as a chef or even a waiter. He washed dishes in the kitchen. He'd been lying to me from the start. I left and we had a huge argument when he got back. He explained that he was ashamed about what he did and he told me a sob story about how he came from nothing. I had lots of questions, he's done with college, so why is he still working as a dishwasher? He said he came to the country on a student visa and the jobs he could do was limited. He was telling the truth and I believed him, the only problem was that it wasn't the whole truth. Next, he said that he was working to get his residence card and when he did, he could take on better jobs. I didn't ask any further questions on this and we moved forward with our relationship, Less than 6 months later, he asked me to marry him. I was so love-struck that I didn't bother to think critically about what was happening. I said yes immediately. Even when my friends tried to get me to be rational, I didn't listen to them. I didn't know what Joshua did to me but in my head, they were jealous and didn't want to see me happy. This was the stupidest time of my life. We got married and I was still love-struck Till my eyes opened less than a year later. I went to work but came back immediately. I forgot the keys to the shop. When I got back home, Joshua wasn't in the living room. He was talking to someone in the bedroom. At first I thought he had a woman with him, but as soon as I get to the door, I learned that he was talking to someone on the phone. It sounded like he was talking to a woman and they were very close, really close. I stayed at the door, listening into their conversation. It was nothing at the beginning and just when I was about to leave he brought up his immigration status. He told the person that he's had to lay low with a dishwasher job in a restaurant, and since he had married a citizen, he'll get his temporary green card in less than two years. It was as though my heart cracked into two as the words dropped from his lips. He went further to tell the person that they should be patient, that it was going to be over soon, and they shouldn't be worried because he wasn't falling for me. Then he said it bluntly that as soon as he gets his green card, He's divorcing me. By this time, I was already recording what he was saying. I started recording when he said something about being married to a citizen, and by the time he was done, I had enough evidence to send him back to where he came from. I stormed into the room and told him to get out of my house. I made him pack his bags and leave immediately. That's not all. I called my lawyer and showed him the evidence I had against Joshua. That same day, I called ICE and sent them the evidence. They kept Joshua in custody, and as soon as the divorce process was completed, he got deported. Now I don't know where OP lives that they just called up ICE and reported this guy and there was like a severe crackdown that went on, but does it really work that efficiently? Like if you're living in the heart of Texas and you call up ICE or some kind of tip line or whatever and say you have this person here who has pulled the wool over your eyes for so long. Are they really just going to be like, alright boys, we got one, go, 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 and bust down OP's door trying to find this immigrant? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.